What I found fascinating about this um, project is finding some old jigs from, from the 40s that are not played anymore that these men sang and playing them on the melodeon again is, um, you know, is, is uh, a wonderful addition to my repertoire of a few tunes from that time because we don't have that many of them in Connemara so they're, they're precious tunes to have, you know. I'd hear of people coming from times of Arcalis and whistling a tune all the way home so that they wouldn't forget it. And maybe only getting one part of the tune and having to go back maybe in a few weeks' time and try and get the second part of the tune. So that's how desperate they were to learn tunes. But like it's only when your song is your own and when it's become easy and when you can actually change it without even thinking and you're listening to yourself and you're going whoa that's even better i never sung it like that before but that's nice that's when it becomes joy when seamus ennis was collecting songs and tunes for the irish folklore commission during the 1940s he made repeated visits to both Connemara and Donegal, revisiting particular musicians and singers whom he saw had a great deal to offer and from whom he wanted to collect as much material as possible. Ennis wrote down the songs and tunes he heard. He didn't have audio recording equipment at this stage and he documented his experience in a diary which tells of his encounters with the people he met and the difficulties of a folklore collector travelling the western seaboard on a bicycle in all weathers. The collection of songs and tunes gathered in handwritten transcriptions by Ennis are now archived as part of the National Folklore Collection and Rianicky O'Gorn, the former director of that collection, had an idea that might give new voice and a living voice to these silent manuscripts. The idea came from reading the Seamus Ennis diaries and wondering and asking myself what it must have been like to be a collector armed with pen and paper and writing down the notes, the notation, the staff notation of songs, which was a difficult enough task. And then when I went to look at the transcriptions that Seamus Ennis had undertaken of tunes and songs, I was wondering what this might sound like today. So the idea came to me then that it would be fruitful to investigate how musicians and singers today might interpret those songs and tunes and airs. And, of course, some of the musicians and singers would be familiar with many of the, the songs and the singers and musicians that Ennis recorded from. But on the other hand, there was always the possibility that there might be new material to be discovered. And as Rianick went through the Ennis collection, she discovered there were indeed new songs and tunes and also different versions of well-known tunes that musicians today may not be familiar with. 
And so she set about choosing material for her project. And as Ennis had worked for the most part in Connemara and in Donegal, especially in Connemara, I suppose, I identified singers from whom Ennis had collected a fair number of songs and a fair number of tunes from the musicians and asked musicians and singers who's, who are well-known musicians and singers today but who would have a particular association with either Connemara or Donegal and I asked them if they might be interested in engaging with this material with the, the written notes and written words and if they would like to participate in the project. The artists approached by Rienach were enthusiastic about the idea and readily came on board. And in this programme, we'll see how musicians and singers interpreted some of the material Ennis collected in Connemara. And next week, we'll see how artists responded to the material collected in Donegal. Rienach sent a selection of songs and tunes, copies of Ennis's handwritten notation, to Shano's singers Breedney Wheel Kiron, Eamon O'Donica, and Katrina Nikanavon, and to musicians Johnny O'Connolly and Nancy Nee Kushtala. So the artists were dependent on written transcriptions rather than audio recordings, and she invited them all to choose a few pieces which would then be recorded. And ITMA, the Irish Traditional Music Archive, were keen to host the project and offered to give it a platform on their website under the title Echoes from an Archive. I set about selecting some of the material based on source singers and source musicians from whom Seamus Ennis had recorded. One of these, for example, Colm O'Keon from Glinch, whose repertoire is fairly well documented already, but the tunes that Ennis transcribed from him, most of them had gone anim, unknown or no name, uh, in, as a description written down with, with the actual tune or air. And in many cases, Ennis had written notes, handwritten notes, to describe how a song was sung on a particular occasion, the speed of it or where there was particular ornamentation that he decided worthy of comment. But if he noted any unusual features in the music notation, he made a note of that too and observed it. Breedney Wilkiron is the three times winner of the prestigious Corinna Rieder Award for her interpretation of Shano's song. She grew up in Onard Hair in the Karna district of West Connemara. It's an area renowned, possibly above all others, for the quality and style of its shanos. And so Rienak sent Breed a number of songs that Seamus Ennis had collected from Maura and Maggie Wee Conacher from the island of Fenish. And she picked out some songs that might be fairly well known and others which would be lesser known. Breed selected two songs from these and made her own of them. You're using the voice as an instrument. It's unaccompanied singing. So I suppose you're trying to make it as interesting for the listener as you can. The, the singer is free to do whatever they want to the song. Um, that's, that's what you do. You listen to the song 
and then you make it your own by adding or taking away, I suppose, the ornamentation. So if I was teaching one of my own children, I'd probably start off with a more simpler version of the song. Um, maybe something like this. I'll maybe sing a verse of On the Run On Down. She longed Bangor me no try the second version a little bit with a little bit more ornamentation she had learnt her first songs from her mother. It was a very natural thing. She used to sing just going about her business in the house and we picked up the simpler songs from her like that. Um, for the more complicated songs then, I remember mom used to write the words out for me and she'd sing it and she'd listen to me and correct me if needed correcting and but I remember we used to have um, recordings of Johini as well the records the Gaelin records and the other singers um, Sean McDonagh and of course Josie and Jack Darabon McDonagh uh, Michael Boyle was just next door to me as well um, Joe John McInumada Boritam Foch you know the, the area is just such it's such a rich area and one of the songs chosen by breed from the ennis collection was the love song on binchin luacra <laughs> 
galgopon dar lam se bans Johnny Oak Connolly, like his father, Johnny Connolly, before him, is one of Connemara's finest melodion players. He feels that the melodion can express something akin to the sound of Connemara Shanos, and that the unique qualities of his chosen instrument more than outweigh its limited range. To this day, dancers love to dance to the melodion. Um, I suppose they were always used to dancing in the old days. They always danced to, to a melodion. It was a melodion in a lot of houses. When they had no other instrument, people had a melodion. And it was if yeah, it was the instrument for dancing to. And uh, it's, it's, I think it's also to do with the full sound of a melodion. You know, it has a fuller sound than your average accordion. Um, but it's, it's not just the, 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 the fullness of the sound. There's something else in there as well that has that kind of ancient feel or almost that kind of almost vocal feel from, you know, like the Shanos um, that I think could be expressed um, on the melodion. The tunes sent to Johnny Oak were transcribed from the whistling and singing of Colm O'Quion and Derek O'Clarity. There was one particular tune, one of the only ones that had a title, uh, a few of them had titles, but this jig, it's called Unsturm es uh the storm and the rain, which, because it had that title, I thought this must be a, an old song as well. And I've asked a few people, a few Shannon singers, uh, about it, but nobody seems to have heard about it. But um, I learned that tune, and I found it is the the most tune that stood out to me of the ten tunes that were sent to me, that reminds me of Connemara songs like the um, uh, Wana and um, Band 14, and these old uh, songs from Connemara that are sometimes in, you know, slipjig form and have words. And that this, this tune on Sturm Augustin Warstach uh, is very much in that vein, in, in that vein of, of melody and, and, and structure, um, and feels genuinely like a Connemara tune which is goldust for me because we don't have that many tunes from Connemara that are authentically you know indigenous to Connemara so um, I'd definitely be very interested in finding more of them if I could Thank you. 
Johnny Oog found that learning tunes in this way from archive transcriptions offered some surprises. Well, I think it's a very interesting way to, to learn tunes. Um, and it's, it, that whole, this whole project's got me more interested in, in looking for, for more uh, Connemara tunes, for more authentic Connemara tunes that might be out there, uh, whether in the, um, in the Irish System Music Archive or in, um, in the folklore department. Uh, if there are more, if there's more of that music, because I did find definitely one tune uh, which stood out to me, that I mentioned in Sturmus and Washtuch, uh, that feels like a genuine Connemara tune or song that I really enjoy playing. And it's a huge addition to my repertoire, although it's only just one tune, because so many people, most people have never heard it. And yet when you, when you hear the tune and play it, it, for me, it connects me with, with, uh, with Connemara and with uh, those old musicians like Colmokuyan and uh, and and Darach um, uh, I think it's really important to bring back as much of that music as we can. That you know, because the songs are there, um, but there isn't as much instrumental music. And I, I would be very interested in trying to find more of that, uh, if I could. I think, it's, and, and it's a great way to to learn new material, new new old material. It needs to be brought to life. It's nothing on the page. You need to play it, get it under your fingers. Um, yeah, I'd be very interested in learning more. And this project confirmed his own approach to composition, especially his compositions for the melodion. I, I wrote a suite of music called Ancosandrirte, uh, which was the, the enchanted path based on, on my father's music and his, and his life through music. And uh, so... That kind of necessitated composing uh, tunes on the melodion, and of course the, the, the melodion is a one-row accordion, and so it's limited in key and range, and uh, so and I wanted to compose, of you know, authentic-sounding traditional tunes that were original as well, and uh, so for me, going back and listening to archive material from the likes of Colmokuyan. Uh, or Darach um, O'Claherty, you know, is is kind of like it's um, it's a wellspring of inspiration then to, you know, and also for me it kind of validates my own approach to um, composing traditional music with the Connemara feel or flavour um, because I hear the same thing in, in some of their old tunes. Uh, I think it's a it's a sound that, or a way of thinking about music or a way of expressing music that is, um, you know, particular to Connemara. And I think that was in my father. Uh, I think it's in some of my own compositions and it's there again in the older musicians like Colmokuyan and, and Darho Clarty and the old Shano singers. Um, there's that, that connection. Johnny Yogue also chose a couple of slip jigs. The first one was very interesting. It was uh, it was in a in a minor key, um, in E minor, and uh, the second part of it is um, it's very much like um, the second part of the butterfly, which is um, a slip jig attributed to Tommy Potts, the great um, Dublin fiddle player and composer as well, because he did compose a number of tunes. 
Um, I found that fascinating that this tune from 1943 that um, Seamus Ennis had jotted down from um, Colum, um, that that he sang this to him and that he wrote this down and I was and that second part I was thinking I, I thought that was composed maybe in the 60s or 70s by Tommy Potts but apparently um, there's a few different versions of that particular tune that um, Seamus or it's definitely the second part appears in different tunes and that slip jig is known as Hardiman the Fiddler <laughs> Kustler from Cornerone is well known as a broadcaster and flute player, and Rienuk sent Nancy a mix of tunes collected from Porig Okanawan and Michael Akulon. Nancy grew up in a musical family. Her mother, Barbara, was a set dancer, and her father, Michael Varta Kustler, was a well known accordion player and Unusually, for a traditional musician of the time, he taught himself to read music. I think it would have been very unusual because, um, but my dad was a very determined man and if he put something in his head that he wanted to learn, he would go all out for, to do that. And his mom used to give out, her. his mom was a widow because his dad died when he was only 11 months and she used to give out to him, you know, about uh, being playing the accordion in the middle of the day. It wasn't the done thing at the time because um, people only used music as a hobby and it was evening time entertainment, I suppose, or uh, for parties and stuff like that. But um, he would have a habit of coming in from the garden and playing a tune after his tea or something. And she would be saying, stop playing that music. People are going on, up in the bog and they'd be listening to you playing music like they'll think you're a Ludramon. <laughs> so she wasn't too pleased. So he used to be back in the room under the blanket with the flash lamp. And that's how he le- he was learning how to read music at night. And... Um, so he was he was determined, but not many people that I know of of his generation um, would have learned to read music um, on their own that way anyway. And um, he then became a source of tunes for other people and they used to come to the house so that they would share the tunes. So uh, and learn they would learn tunes from him. But he got them out of O'Neill's and he had Brendan Branagh's books and he had anything that had music in it, he'd collect and he'd get. 
Like most traditional players, Nancy prefers the wooden flute. For me, the the metal flute sounds a bit tinny, whereas you get a warm kind of um, warm tone from the wooden flute. And some of the, some of the wood is different. Like you get different tones from different woods. I just I just love the the vibration of the flute. Uh, even when I'm playing it, I can feel the vibration of the wood. And uh, it's kind of like the human voice in a way because it depends on how you breathe into the flute. You know how you you feel the notes coming out on the other end. One of the tunes that Nancy picked was collected from Pat Canawan. And I've heard talk of Pat Shanawan, actually, and Marcus Hernan uh, mentioned him a few times that he actually heard him playing when he was a child. And um, the reel that he that was in, in Seamus Innes' uh, collection was a nice um, piping reel because I think he used to play the pipes as well. And that reel is known as the mist on the mountain. Ennis often transcribed tunes from the lilting or whistling of the musicians. Instruments weren't always available. Not many people whistle nowadays, but when I was a child, I remember people going about their work in the gardens and they'd always be whistling. So, and even for for times in, in, the, in the houses where they used to dance, they mightn't have instruments, but they would have the port bail, the portrait, the lilting and the whistling. And they were great for it, like so. It it was a, a way, and I uh, I know people that don't play instruments, but they have all the tunes and they can whistle away, um, all the tunes, you know, just like by whistling. So it's 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 a great. It's actually a tradition that's died out, um, mostly. But it, you'd still find the odd person. My dad used to whistle all the time as well when he'd be out in the garden and he'd think of some tune and he'd start whistling it, you know. So um, I'm not surprised that a lot of people would have whistled for for Seamus Innes in those years as well. The other tune that Nancy chose, The Angry Peeler, was collected from Michael Akulon, who lived in Karna. And um, that would have been a very musical house. Um, It was called... 
um, Musical Academy Horna by Seamus Innes when he was back there because he collected so much music in that house. Singer Eamon O'Donoghue from Rockaran is immersed in the Shannos tradition and passionate about keeping the tradition alive. Rianuk sent him a number of songs collected from a man called Sean O'Guira. For me, the most important thing in a song is actually the poetry or the, or the story. But I like, I, like, I like nice language, you know, you could say you can have any sort of flavour of language. Some people like simple, direct language. Some people like flowery, poetic language. I like poetic language. And so when I, first of all, I didn't want a song that I already knew because for me, you add nothing to the repertoire if it's just a song that's already there. So I said, why bother with those? Um, So the two that I chose, two songs that I chose, like have lovely poetry, lovely feel, a lovely sound lovely richness even in the language um, and it's a great story particularly in one of them but it's the quality of the poetry and the language and the description and then after that for me is the uh, is the um, melody I think all times um, give a flavour to melodies or else the actual type of melody and there's almost um, an old quality to the melody to me, it would remind me of kind of almost like kind of harp music. And it wasn't the sort of interval or run of music that I would expect. Um, so I find it just on that level really interesting. But the main thing for me is the, is the language and the poetry and the story. One of the songs chosen by Eamon was called Donal O'Dola. Now, even the name to me, like it's just so musical, Donal O'Dola. Um, just if you were picking a title for a for a song it's lovely but um again the language in it is lovely 
um, very poetic, very rich. Well, even like when I would read this initially and you go, and even that like to be to be the summer she is the summer between winter and easter and just those expressions of beauty are they're just lovely you know it's a joy when you read them you go oh yeah i like that that's poetry the other song chosen by Eamon was titled Affy Gibbons. It tells a tale from Fenian times. That, that poem, Affy Gibbons, was about uh, a priest who was um, on the run and uh, he was supposed to be hiding in the house and he had paid money so that he wouldn't be reported. But he was. And so they wrote a poem in his praise um, his brother, I think, and the priest wrote a poem in his praise, or, you know, um, a lament for Affy Gibbons. Um, and, and you know what, there's so many echoes even in that sort of story in our history. It's almost so, as you sing, it's almost kind of like a film. You can almost see, you can see the story and you can feel that sort of emotion and you can feel the betrayal and that this his descriptions of how he was as a person and how he should have been um, supported by people. So that really makes that into a fine song. And this is Eamon's interpretation of Affy Gibbons. A floor Yaloch is 
Лекуни крына фейле, огон свейле, шас хахкёрт. Игилало бойлюнзи смол, но франко и тяхтко хирин. Удискарунцо Тадини вышли кирхолгон линвег клон. Нахомы маркох спирюлис кулогох клан глисты. The songs and music from both Connemara and Donegal were launched on the ITMA website on the 5th of October 2023, the anniversary of Seamus Ennis' death, under the title Echoes from an Archive. ITMA director Liam O'Connor spoke at the launch. So in, when Renuk got in touch with us first here to ask about uh, potentially making, making new sound recordings out of these um, uh, music manuscripts, it, it aligned perfectly with what we want to do here. And uh, I thought of the, the Frank Hart uh, line that he often quotes from Brendan Connelly that all songs are living ghosts that long for a living voice. And... Um, when I think of the thousands and thousands of tunes on, on uh, and songs on our in our archive here and in, in indeed in, in, in UCD in the Knusu Bela de Seren as well. Um there's a, we're so lucky in this country where you have such a wealth of, of material. And the project was launched by well known broadcaster and musician and friend of Seamus Ennis, Peter Brown. Everything is to like about this project. In a way it stretches back 80 years in time, although I suppose back in the 1940s, I doubt the internet was predicted, but the intention then was the same as now. The music preserved for later people to bring to life in some way might be academic type of study or to be learned or played or sung or simply listened to for enjoyment. And then to say something about the singers and musicians of today whom you hear on the website, they have been able to take the written notation and interpret it and bring it to life in a way that's faithful to the original. Some of the songs and the tunes might be well enough known, but not the versions that they're singing or playing. And that just adds to it to hear a different melodic approach. I've listened to every note. It's very impressive. Just shy of 40 recordings and 12 people have done them. Everything is there. The music notation, as Seamus wrote it, the words of the songs, the recordings, other information, the photographs. And it is important that this sort of work be done because, for my way of thinking, there's no urgent shortage of quantity in today's traditional music world, but quality and creativity of this kind are always good to have as well. And it's here, and the traditional music world becomes more corporate. It's just good to remember that this is what it's all about. The song, Colleen Das Krutenamo, or The Pretty Girl Milking Her Cow in the English, is fairly well known. It was even an international hit for Judy Garland after she sang it in a popular movie. 
and it was chosen from the Ennis transcriptions by Katrina Nee Canavon, but in a version with a very different theme to the well-known one. Rianaki O'Gorn again. The best-known version of Colleen Duskroot and Amo, the pretty girl milking her cow, is a love song, and the lyrics are those that would be associated with a love song in Irish and in English. But the version that Katrina Nichanawan sings is a song advising people to live a good life, to repent of their sins. And the source singer in this instance was a man called Val Vartla O'Donoghue, who lived in Coronagopal near Kilhiron in County Galway. Katrina's wonderful interpretation of Colleen Das Namo concludes our look at the Connemara side of the Ennis archival project. Next week, we'll explore the songs and music of Donegal. Come on, I'll go 
Oh. 